Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Amen. Thank y'all so much. I'm excited to uh, be up here today, honored uh, to be with you today, and um, just going to try to bring the word as, as God has given it to me, and I think this is one of these times when... Um, you can, you can kind of throttle it down or throttle it up a little bit. And uh, I think really uh, with the worship that we just had, I think this is, uh, I think it's just kind of put it all out there and, and throttle it up for God this year. Uh, so wanted to start out, and, and I kind of debated back and forth, and this is what I'm going to talk about throttling it back or up. And what I wanted to tell you about uh, some things that have happened uh, recently with me and uh, I'm just going to you know, tell you what's on my heart and kind of what God has laid in front of me. But um, Acts and Acts, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, young men will have visions, old men will have dreams. And um, God's been giving me dreams, which is kind of funny to me because he thinks I'm old, for one. And two, that he's been giving me these dreams. And I was going to, you know, thought about telling you this big, long story. I had a dream about Nicole several months ago, my wife. And uh, for those of you who don't uh, know what happened, she actually, about two and a half months ago, um, got sick and had to go to the emergency room. She had uh, to have surgery on a hernia uh, that she, um, we knew that she had it, but uh, it was something that the doctors are like, you know, you'll know when it's time. And and this, we knew that it was time uh, for this to happen. But right before that, not long before that at all, I had a dream, and this dream thing is new to me. I've, I've had a couple of dreams, and they're almost prophetic dreams, and this dream was a prophetic one. It was a warning, and in this dream, there were tornadoes everywhere, and I was in the air on an airplane, like a commercial airliner, and we were trying to get above the clouds because we knew that what was on the ground was bad, and in my dream, I don't remember doing it the first time, but in my dream, I'm like, why are we trying to get above these clouds? We didn't make it last time. It, we just, it was worthless. So the pilots decided, well, let's, let's descend some and see how the ground is. So they descended, and we could see that most of the tornadoes on the ground were gone. So we decided to land. So we landed, and I, I immediately FaceTimed my wife. And this is all in my dream. So I FaceTimed her, and I, I told her, I said, hey, Nicole, there's one more tornado on the ground. Don't don't leave where you are. But she did. She left this little white house that she was in. I could see it because I was on FaceTime with her in my dream, but I could see it like from above. And the tornado got her. And I was like, scared. I mean, I was scared in my dream for what had just happened. So I hung up the phone. I didn't want to see what was going to happen to my wife. And I felt bad. And you ever have dreams where you have emotions and you can feel, and I felt bad. And I was like, I got to call her back. I got to make sure she's okay. So I did. And she answered. And I was so thankful she answered, but she could barely talk. She was mumbling. And she, she said, I'm hurt, but I'm okay. On this day that Nicole had, uh, had to go to the emergency room, she had texted me that she was in a lot of pain, which is unusual for my wife to tell me that she's in a lot of pain because her pain threshold 
is crazy. I mean, she's had six kids. I mean, she's always, when the nurse asks, you know, you know, how's your pain? She's like, it's a four, you know, maybe a five. And I'm like, let me be her translator. She's like at an eight right now. I mean, she hurts really bad. So when she told me that she was hurting bad enough to go to the emergency room, I knew that she was in pain. So I called her and just like in my dream, she, she mumbled. And it scared me at first. But I remembered that God sent a promise through her words in, in my dream that she was hurt, she was okay. And she was. She was okay, and I held on to that. And I tell you that to tell you this. I mean, it happened quick. These dreams I have, have been having happened quick. That was a day or so later. And I tell you that to tell you this dream. I had another dream, but it was about Lakeside Church, and we were here in this building. And we were standing in the back, and I don't remember everybody's face. The only face I remember was Chris's. I could see Chris's face. And this liquid started pouring in. And it was thick, and it was clear. Imagine something like, like thick, clear corn syrup. And we were, we were scared, and we looked at each other, and we were scared, and we were like, what's going on? But as it continued to fill the building, as it was pouring in, we were rising with it. And we weren't scared anymore. We weren't scared anymore. It was pouring out of the windows. It was pouring out of the doors. And the dream ended. And I think that the Holy Spirit is going to be thick. It's going to be poured in this place. It's going to be poured through us. And we are not going to be scared this year. That we are going to go out into Lexington. And we're going to be the body of Christ. And we're going to show the people that the Holy Spirit is here. And it's thick and it's going to be awesome because after we realized that it was as it was consuming us that it wasn't going to take us under that it was good that it was good so where does that fit in uh, with our message that fits in uh, I think uh, pretty perfectly because that's where we all fit in on this is running the race and that's the title um, of this message and I've been working on this for a while um, about how this, this whole thing should look. And it's about running and, and why are we running the race, what prevents us from running the race. And uh, I think God's given me a pretty good idea of, of what I want, of what he wants me to, to say through him. So uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, I'm going to go with that one. And it's on the screen there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So when I originally started planning this message a couple of months ago, and then Chris asked me to uh, to bring the word today, I was just like, well, you know, that's kind of really good timing. It's the first message of 2019. Uh, it could be like a huge encouragement for everybody. And I want it to be an encouragement to you, but I don't want this to be necessarily a pep talk. I don't want this to be a motivational speech where I tell you, if you do A, B, C, and D in 2019, this is going to be the best year of your life. It's going to be awesome. Everything's going to go away, all your problems, everything good's going to happen. I mean, it might, it could, but that's not... that puts the focus on us. That's not what the focus is on. And 
I really feel that running, when we get a little deeper in running the race and we see what we're running towards, and you've got some bullet points, and it's kind of running what we can do and what we don't do and what we should do. So, in the whole scheme of things, we've got this race, right? We're running the race. The race is to Christ. That's what we're running toward. When you're running to something, you're not worried about what's behind you. You're running to something. You see something, you see the prize, and it's there, and you want it. You're not focused on whatever's back here. And in the race, the race is now. It doesn't begin when you get the new job. It doesn't begin when your finances straighten out. It doesn't begin when you resolve the conflict in your marriage. It doesn't begin when your kids start acting better. It's now. It happens right now. And I can tell you a million stories about the race that Nicole and I have run with our children. And you'll see it would be all these things that we've done wrong and some things that God has done right. And then maybe a little bit of what we've done right. So I wanted to tell you... um, just a quick, a quick story, because I'm going to jump around on some of my points, because I think when I was going over this this morning, I'm like, I need to focus on what we really need to do, not what we shouldn't do. I mean, I'll talk to you a little bit about what I think we shouldn't do, but I think God really wants you to know what we should do. Um, and Chris has talked about this before, and it goes kind of hand in hand with... Um, our thought process, and, and as Christians, we think, oh, we become saved, and everything gets better immediately. You know, everything bad goes away. You're running the race now. Everything bad just didn't happen. You don't worry about it. Everything's good. You know, you, you know it's like a movie. Everything happens as it's supposed to, and then in the end, you know, everybody ends up, you know, millionaires, and their jobs are saved, and, you know, everything bad, but that hasn't been how my life is. You know, my life has been, you know, I got saved at 21, and now I'm 41, you know, I've had, you know, half of that time has been really difficult, probably more than half that time has been really difficult, especially the last 12 years. Um, so sometimes, even when you think, we think we're getting close to the finish line, I mean, there's a mountain there, and that's happened a lot with me. There's been a mountain or some obstacle. So the, <laughs> the funny story now, but it wasn't funny when it happened, uh, and those of you who are in the military will appreciate this. I joined the Army when I was, I don't know, 23 or 24 years old, and I went to basic training. When you get to basic training, it's not like in the movies. You don't get off the bus, and they immediately start yelling at you. I mean, they yell a little bit, but, I mean, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was, you know, we were all tired, and uh, we had been, you know, on airplanes all day and a bus, for, you know, at night. So a couple of days after you get there, they, they want to make sure that you at least have some type of physical stamina to be able to endure what they're going to throw at you in basic training. So uh, they make you do some push-ups and some sit-ups, which, you know, I can't even remember how many. They're not bad. Uh, and then you have to run a mile in eight and a half minutes, which eight and a half minute mile is not fast, but it is fast if you have not run a mile in a while. And, or if you've never run a mile and timed yourself, which was my case, I had never ran and timed myself at all. But all of the NCOs or non-commissioned officers that I had talked to are like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So I go to run this eight and a half minute mile and uh, for I guess an audience they bring in what's called fat camp. Fat camp is everybody that has not passed this entry training into uh, basic training and they are all standing around this big long track cheering you on and they're yelling things like you don't want to be here it's bad 
And so I start running, you know, right? And there's a drill sergeant who talked with us before, and he's not one of them, you know, with the hats on. He's in, we're all in our PT gear, and he's, he's like, I'm running pace. If I pass you, you fail. I'm running eight and a half minute mile. If I pass you, you fail. Don't let me pass you. So I'm like, I'm not going to let this guy pass me. And I'm running. I'm doing pretty good, and I start getting winded um, about halfway through. And I slow down, and I start walking. So my audience is, don't, don't walk, don't walk. You, you got to run. You don't want to be here. You don't want to be where we are. So I, you know, I start running again, and I'm running. And I'm getting closer and closer and closer to the finish line. I got about a quarter mile to go, and I can see it. And uh, I hear the drill sergeant running. Don't let me pass you. Don't let me pass you. And I tried to run, and I was running. And we got from here to the door to the finish line. And the drill sergeant was right beside of me. And like in a dream, I was running, but I wasn't moving anymore. And I fell flat on my face. Ten yards from the finish line, flat on my face. Oh, no, he didn't. That is all I remember somebody saying. And I look up, and I see everybody that had finished this eight-and-a-half-minute mile yelling for me to get up. And for a split second, I thought about not getting up. The drill sergeant passed me. My race was over. But I got up. Somehow I stumbled across the finish line. I threw up everything that I had eaten, which is very little, because you're scared to death of what's going on. And somebody came to me and told me that I had, I did it. I think it was like eight minutes and 20 seconds. I did spend the next three days in the hospital. <laughs> but most of that was the Army's fault because they didn't have any doctors that could really evaluate me because it was on a Friday. So I went in Friday, should have gone left Saturday and didn't leave until Monday morning which was fine. It gave me time to rest, but I did it. God allowed me to do it, and that's how it is sometimes in our lives. Sometimes this race that we're running, something's going to happen, an obstacle's going to be in our way, there's going to be a mountain, we're going to trip, and we're going to fall, and the finish line is right there, and we got to get up. We got to have faith to get up. There's a lot of points on this sheet that we're probably not going to get to, but I wanted to tell you that because that's the race that we're running. All these little trials that we have in our lives are our races. Our main race, our main focus is Jesus. If we're running to him, that doesn't mean that these little trials aren't going to be there. That means that the reward at the end of these trials is so much greater. My reward was I didn't have to go to fat camp. I got to go to basic training and got to see my wife again after four and a half months, which I thought would be the longest time I would ever be away from her. And we more than doubled that uh, on deployment. So running the race is not about running away from something. And I know that on your sheet it says not running away um, or running away from something. Running away from something is you put the focus and you give the power to what's behind you. You're not giving the power to what's in front of you. You're not giving the power to Jesus. You're focused on what happened in the past. You might be focused on how bad hell is. I heard a, a preacher the other day said, heaven is not the opposite of hell. 
There is no comparison the greatness and goodness of heaven to how bad hell is. I'm not saying that hell's not a bad place. It's bad. But we don't run to Jesus because we're running away from hell. We're running to Jesus because of how good he is. His goodness pales in comparison. Hell pales in comparison to how good Jesus is. And I think that so many people are focused on how bad hell is. I don't want to go to hell. And then they make a list of rules. Well, if you don't do this, 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 and this, that's going to keep you out of hell. We don't run to keep ourselves out of hell. We run because of the goodness of God. That's why we run. Another point uh, that I want to cover real quick is running in the wrong direction. And I think this is where a lot of people get, get bogged down and get stuck. And I've been stuck there. Many of you could be stuck there now. I don't know. Satan is here to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants. Satan doesn't have to get you to run his direction. He doesn't need you to run toward him. He just needs to make you deviate just enough to be off of that path. Um, Matthew 7, read that real quick. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So Satan's just got to get you to deviate from that path just a little bit. Just a little, not even much. Um, and I have seen this so much. This verse has come to me so much in the past year because I see things uh, and I hear people say, well, uh, God is an inclusive God. He's not going to turn people away. He's a God of love, and he is a God of love. But he also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there is no other way but Jesus It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus, and that's it. And that's what Paul tried to tell so many people. It's Jesus, guys. We don't need to add everything else to it. It's him. Let's go to him. Let's run to him. Some of us aren't running at all. Luke 12, 22 through 31. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, and they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as a small thing or that, why are you anxious about the rest? Now stick down uh, to 31. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. I mean, I love the songs that we sang this morning. That is one of the most spirit-led worship uh, times that I've had. And we're, we're blessed to have that here. Uh, 2019 is going to be an awesome year in the spirit. We've got to put our focus on him. We've got to put our focus on Christ. And when we don't run at all, we just become slaves to ourselves. There's been a lot of times in my life when I've not run at all, when I've been too depressed, when I've been too down, when times get too hard. And God tells me, Zane, it's going to be easy if you just listen to me. Listen to me. But that gives God the power. It gives him the control. And as, as our, in our sinful natures, we want that power. We want that control. We want to do what we want to do. I want to do what I want to do. 
And sometimes that makes things hard. That's what God, not what God wants for us. He doesn't want to make it hard. He makes it easy. He makes it so easy if we just run to him. If we just run to him. So we'll read one more verse. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race that all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be qualified. So run that you're going to run the prize, not run that you're going to lose the prize. Don't run that you might lose it if you do this, that, and the other, and you've done wrong. God is a forgiving God. If we bring our sins to him, they're forgiven. They're separated as far as the east is from the west. Our sin doesn't define us. What we've done in the past doesn't define us. We don't have to run from those things. We just have to run to Jesus. We don't have to run from things that we've done in the past. Others may try to define you by that. The world may try to define you in a certain way. You may try to define yourself in a certain way. There's a big debate going on right now in our world about people trying to define themselves and who they are. It doesn't matter who the world tells them they are. It doesn't matter who they think they are. What matters is that God made them to be who he wants them to be. And if we're running to him, it's so much easier to see that. So much easier to see that. So, kind of the last point I wanted to, to bring up real quick was I think one of the main reasons we don't run so hard to Jesus is, is that there's the idea of Jesus and then there's the reality of Jesus. If you're believing in Jesus as an idea, there's so much more he wants for you. Because the idea of Jesus is a powerful thing that he came, and isn't that awesome that he came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and after three days he rose for our sins? He did that for me. The idea of that is awesome, but the reality is he did it. He did it. And you don't do something based on an idea. You do something based on the idea, the actuality that it happened. It happened, and we place our faith in that. We place all of our faith in that, that the Christian faith is that these things happened. It's not that, well, they might have happened. Jesus might have walked the earth. Well, he, you know, there's evidence that you know, there, there was a tomb, and there's evidence of this and that. The, we believe it because the Bible says it, and we believe that it is the perfect word of God. It's in Aaron. It's infallible. He gave it to us as a gift, and... We've got to run not based on an idea. We've got to run based on the reality that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He did these things for us and that he left his spirit here for us that we can be filled with his presence and that his spirit would fill a place like Lakeside and it would pour out through the windows and through the doors and through the cracks in the wall that it's not confined just for here. His spirit's not just for this building. His spirit is for us to take out into the world. So as you run your race, as you're running toward Christ, get as many people as you can to run with you. Find as many people who want to run, and y'all run fast. 
because Chris is going to run fast. Emmerich's going to run fast. There's a lot of people in this room who are going to run fast. And I want to be one of those people who runs fast for Christ. So there's a, a favorite hymn of mine. And it, uh, I remembered it this morning. And uh, Rhonda sang a song that very closely mirrors this song. And uh, it's freedom reigns in this place. And we have freedom when we run to Christ. But the song is, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. O oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So we're going to have the uh, prayer teams come up and the Rhonda and and the band can come up. We're going to invite anyone here that wants to run to Jesus this year. If you've got something that's keeping you from running, it's time to deal with it now. If you're running in the wrong direction, there's no better time to deal with it than right now. If you're running away from something, you can keep running. If you're running away from something, it's going to catch you eventually. Let's run to Jesus this year, guys. Let's run to him. So I'm going to invite anyone that wants to come up and pray. We've got a prayer team over here. Um, Gail's coming down. She's going to be praying. Emmerich's up here. So let's, um, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, God, for being in our presence today, for allowing me to be up here and be a vessel for you, God. Break our spirits, Lord, that we would die to ourselves and that we would run to you, Lord, and that we would put away old things, God, and that you would make us new. Open our hearts, Lord. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>